because they're curious. It's just string. There's nothing special about it. Well, good morning, City Church. So I have a couple of announcements. The first one uh, is uh, next Sunday, Sunday, May 5th, we are having a baptism service. Now, baptisms are great because it's like people say, hey, I'm following Jesus. And that's always a good thing. It's, it's their outward declaration of, hey, this is the direction I'm going. This is what I want to do. I'm committing my life to Christ, and I'm putting to death that old man, and I'm coming up a new man. Or I'm putting to death that old woman, I'm coming up a new woman. I mean, tomorrow, or next week is going to be excellent. So make sure if you haven't signed up, you email the church office. You can also go online. Uh, there's a little announcement in the members section uh, under the events uh, click on that, and you'll see all the information for that. But that's next week. We need to know if you're coming. Make sure wear your bathing suit. No Speedos, just saying. So it is now time for Volunteer of the Month. Woohoo! Yeah. So this is actually a couple this week. Uh, he helps out with a kids' check-in, and he's a very enthusiastic and lovable guy that uh, loves to meet people and greet people, and he loves the kids, and he says hi to them, and he shakes their hands and high-fives them. And then his wife, she helps me with some of the admin stuff, so when you guys fill out like a little greeting card or a visitor card or whatever, she takes that information every week secretly because she's not like an on-stage person. She's the one that likes to be behind the scenes doing all the work. You, you know those types, yes. The ones that are hidden in there. And, and she actually takes that information and enters it into our database for us. That way we know that you've been here. And that way we know if you got saved. And that way we know if you want to get baptized. So uh, let's all stand up and just honor Joe and Chris Irwin. Come on up here. Excellent. So last week was Easter. Boy, you guys are like into it. There's a lot of woo-woo. And, ah, ah. I even heard an amen, so we are a Christian. But when you finish with, at church, when you finish with Easter, it's kind of like Christmas being over. Like the church, you build up the sermon series all the way up to Easter and and like a lot of big churches, they have like the big cross and Jesus on the crown, and the crown of thorns, and they bring in animals and stuff. So, oh, actually, that's Christmas as well. But, uh, well, they might bring in animals. Um, but uh, they have the whole. They raise Jesus upon the cross, and then they have the big hammers coming down, and they make you think that they're like really uh, putting someone on a cross again, crucifying them. And, but it's like everything. The entire year kind of focuses on Easter. And for, like, American holidays, it's kind of that same way with Christmas, that, like, there's all the shopping you've got to do, and you've got to do all these different things uh, for Christmas, and you buy your kids gifts, and you set up the Christmas tree. And if you think about it, what other holiday, like, other than Christmas, do you just sit there, have a dead tree, and you stare at it, and you eat candy out of an old sock? 
I mean, think about that. That's really, that's really what, what Christmas is all about. And we love it. It's like we, we try and make those old socks as pretty as we can. And we try and get the trees as natural as they can. But they're dead. They're dying. The needles are falling off. But, you, but when Christmas is over, and like when Easter is over for a church, for all the staff, they're like, oh my gosh, I'm glad that's over with. And Christmas is over and all the parents are like, oh good, I'm going to bed. You know, I just had to be up at five in the morning so that the kids could open presents and now I'm tired and I'm done. And then the bills come and then everything happens and it's like, oh, everybody takes a breath of fresh air. Thank goodness that's over with. Now we can kind of get back to life as normal. And you've had Christmas party after Christmas party. Well, I started wondering, what happened post-Easter in the Bible? Because we make such a big deal about Jesus' death and resurrection. And that is, that's excellent. We're supposed to. I mean, without that, there is no Christianity. There, there's nothing else. That, that's like the cornerstone of Christianity right there is his death and his resurrection. And Matt talked last week about if you didn't have the resurrection after the death, it wouldn't matter. It really wouldn't matter. So what happened after Easter? So Jesus dies, he, uh, he raises again. He shows up to Mary Magdalene, and no one believes her that she talked with him. She goes back and tells all the disciples, they're like, oh, come on, you're just seeing things. And then he shows up to two of the disciples on the road to Emmaus, and he sits there and he talks with them, and he walks with them all day as though he's going with them. And they're just chit-chatting, and all of a sudden they realize, oh, my gosh, it's Jesus. And they go and tell the other disciples, other disciples don't believe him. And then Jesus shows up at the, some of the disciples' house, walks through the wall, shows them the scars on his hands and on his feet, and Thomas didn't believe him. Thomas shows up late. Jesus says, okay, do you have to touch it? Fine, touch it. And he puts his hands out, and Thomas is like, ugh. Now, what kind of sicko does that? I mean, oh, let me touch that wound. Well, I'll tell you, Liz Williams, she's a nurse. She would probably do it because she's fascinated by that kind of stuff. She's always sending like little videos or little images of nasty things that she sees at the hospital. And I'm like, yeah, I don't, I don't like that stuff. Then finally, Jesus shows up and he shows himself to the rest of the disciples who were out fishing. They went back to what they knew. They're like, Jesus died. They hadn't realized he had resurrected yet. They were still in like pre-Easter mindset. They had no idea what was going on. So they're out there fishing, and Jesus says, hey, how many fish have you caught? And they're like, zero. And he's like, throw your nets to the right side of the boat. Now, in English, that, that means the right side of the boat, not the correct side of the boat. Just making sure you know that. So they throw him over there. Now, as soon as he said that, I'd be like, ah, that's Jesus. It's got to be. They had to wait until the nets got so full that the boat started to tip over. And they were like heaving him in. And Peter's like, I know who that is. And he dives out of the boat. And he swims all the way to shore, jumps up. And you got to imagine there was this moment because he just betrayed Jesus not three days before, four days before, maybe a little longer that there's this moment of like, is he going to accept me? 
Is he going to, like, what's going to happen? I think sometimes we forget how much these disciples put at stake. They got rid of their old life. They got rid of everything about themselves to follow Jesus. It says they threw down their nets. So I don't know, were they using someone else's nets? Were they using someone else's boat? Did they go buy another boat? I don't know what happened. But this was the second time that Peter basically said, forget the fish, I'm going to Jesus. Because he believes so strongly in that. But here, let's go back to Easter now. And, and what we have here. Some of us are still stuck in the Jesus is crucified, but we are waiting for him to rise again. And, and here's what I mean. Here, let's pray. I'm have, I'm, my train of thought is uh, I'm struggling with it a little bit. Father, right now, I just pray that you'd uh, give me clarity of thought. And God, I pray that you would speak your words here this morning. Uh, God, that you would uh, give us insight uh, into what you have to say to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Should have done that at the beginning. We get so used to Easter that it kind of becomes the same thing every day. Every day. Or, excuse me, every year, every year, every year. And it's like, it's just, the only thing that changes are the new dresses that all the little girls wear. I mean, and, and, and that's awesome. I mean, I got three girls, and they all got relatively new dresses. But it can become so commonplace that we forget the meaning of it. And so that's what I want to talk about is, like, what's the real meaning of it? Like, how does this affect us? How do we go from being stuck with the crucifixion to going into the resurrection? Because Jesus did that for a reason, and he did that to empower us. Jesus rose from the dead so that his work could end and ours could start. So he wants to empower us. Now, but here's the way that we kind of think. So there was a professor, and he had a chauffeur that took him around to all these lectures. And he would go to these lectures, and he would talk about the same subject. He was like Nobel Prize type winning, like Stephen Bradfute, close to Nobel Prize. Well, not quite Nobel Prize type winning. So He would go and give these lectures on this particular subject, and he had done it so many times, and the chauffeur would always stand in the back that they, after about the 50th time, the chauffeur gets in the car, and the chauffeur says to the professor, you know, I think I could give your lecture for you. I've heard it so many times. And the professor says, no, there's no way. He says, I'm an expert in my field. I've studied it for years and years. And the chauffeur says, well, why don't we trade spots and let's see. So they go to the next place, and the chauffeur gets up there, and he announces himself, introduces himself, and he gives the lecture flawlessly. And then came question and answer time. And the first question comes up, and they ask him this question, and he has this moment of panic. And then he has this idea. And he says, you know, that is the dumbest question I've ever heard. That is so dumb, I bet even my chauffeur could answer that. <laughs> Don't let your Google search get in the way of my degree. So that's, that's what he was saying. We can get so used to the idea of Easter that it just becomes commonplace. But I want to talk about one thing. When Jesus was on the road to Emmaus, he was talking with two of the disciples. And it says 
Then beginning with Moses and with all the prophets, he explained to them the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. Now he started back at the beginning. Not quite quite Genesis the beginning, but back at the beginning. He started with Moses and the prophets and explained to them the things concerning himself in the scriptures. So I'm going to do a similar thing. And I'm going to describe... You want to talk about what God's vision is? Because this is what Jesus did, and it's prophesied about Jesus. And we're going to hit this, and then I'm going to end with our church and us. C.S. Lewis says, we don't need to be told new ideas so much as we need to be reminded of old truths. Now, every Easter, we're reminded of old truths. But they, sometimes they just, they're bleh. It's like, oh, I've heard this before. Oh, Jesus died on the cross. Yeah, it happened during the Passover. And it's... Like, it doesn't stir up something inside of us. But let's see if maybe something else will. Why did this matter? Why did it matter that Jesus started from the Old Testament, from Moses, and went all the way through? Because he wanted to show those two disciples that what he did was eternal. It wasn't just some new idea that he came up with when he died on the cross. Hey, you know what? If I resurrect right now, That's a new idea, and that'll change the world. No, this was something that God thought about for a long time. D.L. Moody says, our greatest fear, okay, this this is key. Our greatest fear should not be of failure, but of succeeding at something that really doesn't matter. I'm going to read that again. Our greatest fear should not be of failure, but of succeeding at something that really doesn't matter. In your life, are you succeeding? And you're like, yes, but it doesn't matter. Proverbs 29, 18 says, If people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. So Jesus speaks to the two on the road to Emmaus, and he says, this is what God's vision is. So here's God's vision. You can sum it up in four things. Lost people saved. Saved people pastored. Pastored people trained and discipled. And trained people mobilized. Now, when you go back to Moses, so we're going back to Moses. In Exodus chapter 6, verse 6 through 7, it says, Therefore say to the Israelites, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being the slaves to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my own people, and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from the yoke of the Egyptians. And when, they, when the Jews celebrate this all over the world, every time they, they talk about the four I wills, that God says, I will free you from the being slaves. I will redeem you. I will take you as my own people. I will, uh, I will be your God. And that you will know I, I'm the Lord your God. There's the four I wills. And every time they say an I will, they drink a glass of wine. And they call it the cup of sanctification, the cup of deliverance, the cup of redemption, and the cup of praise. It's the same ideas as saved, pastored, trained, mobilized. The next one is, this is a prophecy about Jesus. You guys have all heard, the, heard this scripture. It says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. This is a prophet Isaiah talking in chapter, uh, Isaiah 61. Because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from the darkness for the prisoners. 
to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, uh, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of uh, ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning. And it, and it goes on through all generations and all generations. Proclaim good news, bind up the brokenhearted, bestow crown of beauty, and rebuild others. It's the same thing. Saved, pastored, trained, trained slash discipled, and mobilized. Here we have Jesus' fulfillment. This is what he said right after he rose from the dead. We're, this, is, this is like groundwork. We're just laying the groundwork for... He said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany, accompany those who believe... Uh, then the disciples went out and preached everywhere, and the Lord worked with them and confirmed the word by the signs that accompanied it. In that scripture, preach, pastor, disciple, send. And here's our call. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. We want to proclaim Christ to them. We want to admonish them. We want to teach them, help them reach their potential. So can I say that God has been saying the same four things to us since the time of Moses, the time of David, the time of Isaiah when he was prophesying about Jesus, the time of Jesus, and then afterward Jesus tells his disciples, and then we have Paul talking to the Colossians saying, hey, this is something we got to do. This is God's vision. This is God's vision. And you know what we say? At City Church, we're, we're trying to carry on his vision. What, what was the scripture that we, that we read before? In, in Proverbs 29, 18, it says, If people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. Imagine like 10 people doing the three-legged race type thing. Like just, just going along. I mean, they'd be all over, them, all over the place. They'd be tripping and falling. I mean, even two people doing a three-legged race. You see them go down. Uh, pretty heavily. But God has this vision that he, he did from the time of Moses. And so now that Easter is over, we got to look back and we got to say, all right, what, what is Easter really all about? It was Christ raising from the dead to mobilize us. And not just us that are here coming to this church or going to some other church, but mobilizing the unchurched. You might be here this morning. You might be a seeker. Maybe you have never been in a church in your life before. Awesome. Keep seeking. You know what? I'm not worried. Go, go seek Buddhism. Go seek uh, not Catholic, uh, Islam. Go seek Hinduism. I believe that God is big enough that he can still draw you to him because he is the one true God. But you know what? God has the same vision for you as he does for someone that's been saved for 30 years. God wants you to capture this vision. So here's what we call that at City Church. Know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, make a difference. Ooh. Do you realize those four things that that Matt kind of put together as a vision. There's other churches, other churches all around the country that are doing that same thing. 
They understand that it's about lost people getting saved, saved people getting pastored, pastored people trained and discipled, and trained people mobilized. Do you know why they use know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference? Because they're trying to reach people that are unchurched. And those are words that are common. Like, what does it mean to be discipled? Well, I don't know. But if you discover your purpose, that, that, that means something to people. But discipled is like this, this abstract word. And so you come up with these four phrases that are very concrete. We want people to know God. We want people to find freedom. Finding freedom. Everybody knows what, what's holding them back. I mean, ask a drug addict what's holding them back. Oh, it's the drugs, definitely. They know what they need freedom for. But when you say uh, redeemed, I mean, wh- what does that mean to them? A new believer doesn't need to know the definition of a lifeline. What they need is they need a lifeline thrown to them. They don't need to know, like, some people may be here and you don't even know who Moses is. That's okay. He's an old guy. Pharaoh, let my people go. That's Moses, just in case. If you've ever seen the Ten Commandments, watch the Ten Commandments. Not an exact, accurate portrayal. but So, how do we take God's vision and how do we put it into practice? That's the big question. So, number one, we say no God, that we're going to try and get people to know God through our Sunday weekend service. So what, what you're experiencing right now, there's teaching. But you know what? Our teaching is meant to reach the churched and the unchurched. We're not going to get into the phylacteries of the Jewish faith. We're not going to get into the Nephilim. We may not even get into Revelation except the simple things. Because we're, like, the unchurched, if they come in, you start talking about the Nephilim. Now, half of you here are probably going, who are the Nephilim? Or... Like, if an unchurched person comes in and, they, and you start talking about the Nephilim, they're going to be like, how is this helping me? So we've changed our Sunday service because we want, we want to reach people that are seeking. You guys are seeking, hopefully. So if, the, if we can't teach something that's uh, not practical, that you can't put into action, then we're just throwing it away. We want you guys to have something that when you go home, you're like, ah, this is something I can do. That is something I can do. I understand about finding freedom. So our weekend services, they're created for both the church and unchurched because reaching the lost is our biblical mandate. Our number one command is to reach the law. Our number one guideline, let me rephrase that, not command. Our number one mission is to reach the lost. Our number one command is love God and love your neighbor as yourself. Our number one mission is to reach the lost. How are we doing on that? I don't know. How are you doing individually in your life? Are you reaching the lost? Why do we, like, why do we care about numbers? Because we need to know if we're doing it right. And if we see this number, zero, when, when we get our visitor cards and it says how many, uh, like I have been saved, and we go at the end of the year and we see a big zero, we know we're not doing things right. We know that we got to start 
challenging people to get out and start sharing Christ with their, their coworkers and sharing Christ with their neighbors. We have to step out in that. So let me ask you, if you had to give yourself a rating from 1 to 10, how have you been doing on that? Because we can say as a church as a whole, we're probably at about a 1 or a 2. Just a thought. We have forgotten as a church that heaven and hell are real and that there are people that are dying and going to hell. And so God wants us to have our church meant for the unchurched even more than the churched. Oh, I heard one amen over here. Thank you, Nancy. The unser I mentioned this before, the unsaved person doesn't need to know that God, or the Greek word for a raft. He just needs you to throw him one. So here's what we do. On Sunday mornings, we create services that are authentic. We're real. We tell bad jokes. Matt tells really bad jokes. I tell those same jokes at home, and my girls roll their eyes. We try and be relevant. That's one of those Christian words that we really like. If they can't use it on Monday, then we shouldn't be preaching it on Sunday. Third thing is church should be enjoyable. Really? It should be enjoyable. Gosh, if, if an unchurched person, if you're unchurched and you walk in here and you didn't enjoy it, I want you to come and tell me. Like, I want you to come grab an usher and say, you know, I just really didn't enjoy that because of this or that. Like, church should be enjoyable. It should be comfortable for unchurched people to come in. They shouldn't be like, oh my gosh, I don't know who Moses is. I don't know. Like, we, we should explain that from the pulpit. And, and it, as congregation members, as people that go to this church and are deep in the faith, we should have grace for people that don't know things like that. We're not judging them. We're trying, you know what we're doing? We're treating them like guests in our house. They should walk in and feel like they're the honored guest. Greeters, ushers, when someone walks into your house, if you smile at them, that changes their whole attitude. But if you're like, welcome to City Church. I can't even do it without smiling. <clears throat> welcome to City Church. I mean, that's not warm and welcome. Imagine going to a hotel that you've paid like $300 a night for. Not that anybody pays $300 a night. But imagine that you paid $300 a night for a hotel and you walk in and they're like, Oh, thank you, Mr. Lance. We're glad you're here. Gosh, I'd be like, I'm never coming back to this place. The food better be good and the beds better be good because that was terrible. We're trying to make the unchurched feel comfortable, and that's what our Sunday services are all about. Oh, the music's too loud. You know what? Have you been to a concert? I have to put earplugs in at concerts because it's loud. This is not loud. Now, we're not trying to be rude. We're not trying to be insensitive, but we're trying to reach the unchurched. And they, there are certain things that they like. Another one is we're trying to be accepting. By creating an environment where lost, feel, where lost people feel uncomfortable is only the religious that felt uncomfortable about Jesus. Think about when Jesus was around the lost. It was only the religious that felt uncomfortable. So it seems like our church service, maybe we should make the religious feel a little uncomfortable. So next week, we're having Nickelback come in and do worship. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that was for you, Stephen. 
Steven's favorite band is Nickelback. <laughs> the head of Hilton said, said something that was very good. He said the number one, the th- number one thing that creates comfort for people when they, come to the, when they come to Hilton, the number one thing that creates comfort for, for people is excellence. So when you come in and the worship band starts and things are going great and Berto leads into, gets into that lead line and then he hits that wrong note, I'm picking on Berto right now. He actually played really well this morning. Let's give it up for Berto just so that... Yeah. <laughs> When he hits that wrong note and, it, and the delay's on, it's like, that's not comfortable. When the pastor starts preaching fire and brimstone down on people but doesn't give the message of grace with it, that's not comfortable. If you tell people to get out but you don't give them a door to get out, if you tell them their house is on fire but you don't give them a door, a door to get out of their house that's on fire, it's uncomfortable. Our job is to make the unchurched feel comfortable. Number two, find freedoms. How do we find freedom? Through our small groups. Isaiah, or excuse me, James chapter 5, verse 6. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for each other so that you may be healed. So we have small groups where people can, can experience community, find freedom, and take next steps. Let me say this. Our small groups, when someone walks in the door, here's what they should hear. I like you, and you're okay. I like you, and you're okay. Just the way you are. And then the next week when they come in, I like you, and you're okay. God made you great, and I like you just the way you are. But I love you enough that I'm not going to let you stay that way. Because we all have room to grow. We all have areas, we have things that bind us and hold us back. So our small groups should be, I love you. I care about you. I accept you the way you are. But I also love you enough to help you take your next step. So if you, and, and how we do small groups at City Church is we make them free market groups. Because there are some people that are unchurched and how do you get them into the church? There are, I have a friend that will not walk into a church, period. He was burned when he was young, and he will not walk into a church. So I, how do I get him closer to God? Well, I can meet with him one-on-one. But another thing I could do is I could invite him to, like, a soccer group where we just get together, and maybe, it, maybe it's all, maybe I'm the only Christian there. And we get together, and we hang out, and we play, and I get to know them. And then I say, hey, can I pray for you? You know what? I've never had anybody say, no, you can't pray for me. Never. That is the easiest thing you can do. Someone, oh, man, i got a hurt shoulder. Hey, do you mind if I pray for you? All right, here, let me get my anointing oil and pour it all over you. No, you, like, sh- show, some, show some reason. Show some uh, sensitivity to people. Sometimes people just need a shallow end of a pool to be able to play in so that they don't feel overwhelmed and drowned. When you're in the deep end, man, those other kids, they're like swimming, and they'll swim right over the top of you. We went to Typhoon Lagoon in Disney World, and they ha- it's like this huge wave pool. 
I felt sorry for some of those small kids because I ran them over on my boogie board. <laughs> like, they were at the end, and I'd get right there, and the whoosh, the water would come out, and the big wave would come up, and I'd get on my boogie board, and I hate to say this, I was aiming for them. <laughs> There's a little one. And you just go right over the top of them, and, and you look back, and oh, that's terrible. <laughs> Small groups should be a place where people can walk in and say, you know, I'm mad. I'm angry at life. Or I'm depressed. Or this is where I'm being tempted. Or this is where I need help. And in a shallow pool, we may not lay hands on people and pray for them. Maybe their next step is just saying, maybe their next step is just letting you pray for them. And if they take that step toward Christ, all right, what's their next step? Maybe it's them praying with you there. And that's their next step. And pretty soon after they've taken enough steps, then you can actually lay hands on them and you've you've had a relationship with them. That's what our small groups are all about. It's helping people find freedom for all the stuff that's holding them back. Third thing, discover our purpose. We have a Connect class where we talk about the vision of the church, basically what I'm talking about today. We also have a spiritual gifts test. Because listen to this. Every person has a spiritual gift. Every person has something to give. I would say that most people don't know what that is. And I would probably say that a third of this church, a third of the people that are in here may not even know what their gift is to give. So you, there's actually tests that you can take for spiritual gifts. There's personality tests. You know what I found out? I am the exact opposite personality as Matt Williams. He's like a lion. He wants to go in and he wants to take land and kill it and eat it. And, and I'm like, ooh, that's gross. How are we going to get there? That's, I want to find out. Like I want to chart out the path of how we're going to get there. And he's just like, Brrr. but you know what? We make a good balance. But until I, I realized that, and I was comparing myself with Matt Williams, I'm like, gosh, I'm not like that. I'm not as good a Christian. I'm not, I, don't, I don't know what I'm supposed to do in life. i got to be more like him. And so I try and be more like Matt, or I try and be more like Pastor Steve, or I try and be more like Stephen Bradfute. And I, I can't be. I have to be this person who's in my own skin. I have to be that. And you have to be who's in your own skin. The problem is we haven't found freedom first. And until we find freedom, then we're not really free to be who we're supposed to be. Because we have all this stuff. Imagine someone that they just can't get off drugs. And they're high week after week after week. And they, they come crashing down and they get depressed. And Like, if they're called to be a pastor, they're going to be a terrible pastor. Because they can't even deal with their own issues. But they get set free by being around other people who will walk with them and, and pray for them and, and help them and can be real, take the mask off. Then they can see what their gift is and then they can start thinking, gosh, this is how God made me. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise God because he made me this way. You know, going back to small group, you, you know what everybody wants in a small group? They want the Cheers bar. You know the TV show Cheers? You want to go in where everyone knows your name and they're always glad you came. It, it, it's not that hard. So people get set free 
And then, so we have our Connect class, and you can fill out all these things, and you can talk with people. And in reality, it, it's not just as simple as that, but that helps you kind of get started. Oh, you know what? I'm more of a Labrador than I am an owl. I mean, what does that mean? Well, a Labrador goes around, I just loves everybody, loves everybody. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, pet me, pet me, pet me. And like, oh, I'm over here. Oh, I'm going to put my paws on you. Yeah. Like, Labradors just need that affection. And like, owls are like, nope. I can't turn my head all the way back, so, so <laughs> if that happens, then call, call the exorcist or something. Cause... But like we all, I'll, I can walk down a hall, and, no, and 10 people walk past me, and I'm like, I didn't walk past anybody. I'm in my own cave. Now, I've worked hard on that, just saying. Marilyn can attest to that. I actually smiled at her last year. You know, an outgoing engineer looks at the other person's shoes instead of his own. <laughs> and every scientist wish he was, wishes he was an engineer. Our fourth thing is make a difference. And this is where you volunteer to be part of our city crew. Now, I don't care if you work inside the church or you work outside the church. The best way to pastor someone is to give them something bigger than their issues. If someone's struggling with drugs, you know, I would almost say, well, let's look at it this way. Alcoholics Anonymous, AA, who do they have that are sponsoring the ones that are alcoholics at this point? It's the ones that were alcoholics before. Now they say that you're, you, you're never not an alcoholic once you have been one, but it's the ones that are like way further down the path. They're the ones that are helping out. You know what? When I, so right now I oversee kids ministry. I have teenagers in there. I have middle-agers in there. I have people my age. I have older people in there. There's all sorts of stuff. And you know what? Some people are starting the journey, and some people are way down the road. No matter where you are, there's always someone that you can help. I don't care where you are. If, you, if this is your first time in the church, you've already taken a step that maybe other people have never taken. And so you can mentor them to even just take that step. Hey, man, I, can't, I went to this church, and they started playing worship, and I heard God. Like, I can't explain it. I just, like, it was like God was there in the room. And I, I hated the preaching. He sucked. He was terrible. But man, I, there was something about that. So I'm going to go back. You ought to come with me because, like, let's test this out. Is this really God or is this something fake? Like, that's all it has to be. Wherever you are, you've already walked a journey that, nobody, or that other people haven't. So bring them along with you because God is calling us to make a difference. And one way that you can do that is serving on our volunteer team. Ushers, greeters, kids' church, worship team, admin team. I mean, whatever. If you're good at something, find a place to serve. Now, sometimes you have to go outside, and you have to, like, go find something where you're going to serve because your gifting doesn't really fit with 
inside the church, but you're still called to be part of the church. So what we do is we, we've created an easy, obvious, and effective process where people can serve in the city church crew. It's very simple. You go and ask. Hey, can I help? Sure. What can you do? Maybe, you know, the easiest thing to do is fix coffee. You can fix coffee for people. You don't even have to talk to them. Now, you, you should. You should. But, like... You could volunteer to help cars park. You don't have to really talk to anybody necessarily. I mean, ideally you should. But if you're that type of person, or you can work on my admin team. We'll find a place for you, and you don't have to talk to anybody but that keyboard. That's what Chris does. She's really good at it, and she loves it. Next week we're going to uh, put your, uh, your computer up here on stage. People need to be needed. When you start serving, you're giving of yourself and you're not thinking about all your problems. When I was sixth grade, I think, they needed help. No, no, no. I was in uh, ninth grade. And they needed help in my elementary, church, or my elementary class at my church in Denver. And they said, have you ever done puppets before? Now, this was, this was like the 80s when puppets were like really in for kids' church. Now we have videos. Uh, and they said, could you do puppets? And I was like, I don't know. I've never tried. And uh, so they, they gave me these puppets, and they gave you a little script. And so you kind of sit there behind the wall, and, and you put your puppet up. And what you, the first thing you have to learn is that when you're talking, you open your hand when you say a word, like, hello. You don't go, hello. It just doesn't look right with the puppet. You guys are getting expert lessons right here. And so you'd go through, and, and sometimes you'd have one on each hand. Those were for the experienced ones. And you'd go through this, this whole thing. Well, I got good at it, and I made my own puppet. I took this puppet, and at the time, Mr. T was, like, really popular. So I made Mr. P, and I took this puppet, and I cut off a bunch of his hair and gave him a, a mohawk, and he was called Mr. P. Now, this sounds dumb. I mean, this sounds dumb. But I was back there with Mr. P doing this puppet and be like, I pity the fool who don't follow Jesus. He's a loser. And I'd go through this whole routine. And so I'd watch the A-team on Thursday nights just to get ideas for Sunday mornings. And I'd go in there. All the kids went to their neighbors and they're like, you got to come see Mr. P. And our elementary class just blew up because they wanted to see Mr. P. I don't know how many kids got saved, but I was good at doing puppets. <laughs> Probably better at that than playing guitar or preaching. I was innovative, creative. I was passionate about it. I mean, I was watching A-Team every Thursday night just so that I could prepare Imagine that there. You know, our pastor said that he watched A-Team to prepare for his sermons on Sunday. You can say that. Later on, I worked at the YDDC with Norm Angleton. And he and I would go in, and we'd start work. We'd do, just do Bible studies with these kids that were, some of them had arrested for drugs, or uh, there was one guy there that was arrested for murder. He had killed two people. And he, and he wasn't going to get out of there until he went to the the adult prison, and they'd come to the Bible study, and you, you 
teach them and you talk to them about Jesus. And, and I thought, oh, my gosh, my life is so much better. I've really got to pray for this kid. Like suddenly my problems just seem like nothing. Oh, I got to be in my class. <laughs> yeah, he, he's got to sit in his cell 23 hours a day. When you start reaching out to people, it changes your life. So I have some volunteers that are going to come up and help me. Uh, once you come up, I'll have the worship team go back. So I'm going to talk about how this whole vision of God works. So I want five of you over here to get in a circle. Maybe you first five. Joy, why don't you stand over here? Foster, why don't you come over here with Joy? Now, I have some string here, and I want you to kind of get in a circle. Oh, these are, see if you can unwind those. And I want you to each take one string and wrap it around, once around your hand, and then give the other end to someone else that's among the five. And then over here, I want to give each of you one string. So wrap one end around your hand, and then uh, the other end we'll, I'll take in a second. So when we catch God's vision, we realize that we're, what we're trying to do, we're trying to reach unchurched. We're trying to reach those that are far from God and help them to take a step closer. And so we have know God. We're trying to help people know God. Two, we're trying to help people find freedom. Three, we're trying to help people discover their purpose. And the last thing is we're trying to help people make a difference. So these people over here, I'm going to have Kelly come over here just so that we can see here. They're all holding on. They have these relationships. And let, let's call this city church. And so like Elsa and Stephen, they've got this really tight relationship between them. And... <laughs> And Ava and Abby and Kelly, they kind of got some loose relationships that are going on. Now, I want, you to, I want you to step as far away from each other as you can without, like, yanking it out. So we have this relationship right here. There's all sorts of relationships that are going on over here. But then we have these two people over here that let's say they're seeking. And they're far from these people. But what they need is they need some, one of these to grab a hold and start a small relationship, a distance relationship with someone that's unsaved or unchurched. So I'm going to give this to you, Kelly. Hold on to that tight. So Kelly has a relationship with Foster right now. And then Joy is over here. And let's say that Joy has a relationship with Foster. And Joy, why don't you go way over there? So we have all these relationships that are intertwined. And everybody's like, oh, cool object lessons. I like this. Something else that we need to do is we need to build even better relationships with those that are within the church. And we need to keep building relationships with those that are in the church. So that this becomes more of a tight-knit web 
Because right now, if I were to pull Stephen this way, it wouldn't necessarily pull our whole church over there. It wouldn't necessarily pull our whole church there. And, and God can come down and he can say, all right, Pastor Matt, I want, you to, I want you to move this way. I want you to come this direction. I want to bring this entire church this way. But if we don't have good, strong relationships with each other, Pastor Matt can go this way or I can go this way or you're going this way or whatever, and we're going nowhere as a church. We're not following God's vision. Now I want you all to take those and I want you to wrap them around your hand and I want you to pull each other closer. Oh, Steve and Elsa are no longer friends. But you start pulling in these relationships and getting closer to people. You know what God does is he comes in here and he grabs the middle of this and he pulls the whole group as a whole. You know, it doesn't even require me just grabbing the pastor or me grabbing someone in the church and, and giving them word, excuse me, a divine word. He just has to grab the middle of them, what's called the church, and pull them in a direction. Now, the other thing that we have to do is we have to build these relationships with people that are outside the church, that are unchurched, that maybe have no idea who God is. So Kelly, bring that in. This is, this is what we're trying to do. We are trying to pull people in. We're trying to build better relationships with those that are in our church so that we can become more tighter knit so that when God says, I want you to go this way, we go as a group. We're not off this way. Oh, this is the way church should be here. This is the way church should be here. This is the way church should be. We should all be on the same page. All right. Let's have a round of applause for this group. You can just leave it on the, on the ground. So I just have one thing that I want you to do tomorrow. Let's all stand up. I just want you to take one string, and I want you to pull on it a little bit. Now, one thing we don't want to do is if we have a relationship with someone that's unchurched, we have a relationship with someone here we don't want to just be like hey and just yank them in we want to slowly pull people in and so I just want to ask you guys find a relationship tomorrow that you can just pull on and then on Tuesday I want you to find another relationship that you can just pull on maybe it's just something as simple as hey can we have coffee maybe it's something as like hey do you want to come to church Hey, we're having this Bible study. Hey, let's go hiking. It doesn't matter what it is. Just build those relationships because God is calling us as a church to follow that vision. Know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. Let's pray. Father God, we just pray right now. Lord, you've given us a vision where we're supposed to go, I pray that you would help us to seek you out and seek out those relationships that you've called us to. God, I pray that you would unite us as a church to reach the unchurched. Lord, we need to reach the unchurched. We need to reach those people that are far from you and love them with all our hearts. 
God, I pray that you would give us an extra measure of faith when it comes to those people. And God, if there's anyone here that is seeking, Father, I pray that you would speak to them. Lord, that they would hear your voice, that they would know what you're all about. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to take our tithes and offerings right now. Uh, in the seat backs, if you're a visitor, you can fill out the little card. You can also go to the, well, yeah, you can fill out the card. There's several ways to give. Uh, there will be a slide that comes up on the screen. Uh, you can text to give. You can uh, uh, go to the website and give that way. You can give through our app, uh, however you want to give. What string are you going to pull this week? What string are you going to pull this week?